Ready, Fred? Ready, George. Bottoms, Bottoms up. up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a way to start off. Um, I don't really know if we have much of a catch-up, because we just recorded on Monday, and now yeah. we're recording again. It's Thursday. Yeah. Did you do anything exciting this past few days? I worked. That's the same. <laughs> That's, That's all I got. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, not much of a catch-up. We're going to the beach the day after tomorrow. Saturday. We're going to the beach on Saturday. I almost said tomorrow, and then I was like, nope, that's tomorrow's Friday. Close. Hello. Um, alright. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Family Fiction. With Hallie. And Carmen. Um, so, we were talking before we started this, we might possibly be changing our podcast icon. (laughs) I'm still trying to mess around with Canva. We changed our Instagram profile, and I like it, but I don't think oh, yeah. the same font is going to work for the icon, so i got to play around with it. Yeah. Um, but if you can't tell by the title of the episode, we're going to be talking about the fantasy genre. We all know this is a very popular genre. Oh, yeah. Especially now. Um, fantasy genre is what... The dystopian genre was when I was in high school. Because <laughs> when I was oh, yeah. in high school, dystopian was a huge thing. Now it's fantasy. So thanks, Sarah, um, <laughs> for awakening the fantasy genre. I'm sure lots of people would argue that it's been a thing for quite some time. We've got, you know, Harry Potter. But I feel like fantasy has become a genre that you don't have to... How am I trying to phrase this? There's a lot more... There's a lot less young adult fantasy and a lot more, not really the yes, young adult. Let me rephrase this whole thing. There is a lot more people my age getting really into fantasy. Um, Harry Potter, yes, while it's good, it's also like something a 10-year-old could read. And I feel like the fantasy genre has grown. It's reaching an older audience now. Um, and there's definitely a lot more books coming out in the fantasy genre. Oh, yeah. So, just fantasy and romance. That's pretty much all I ever see anymore. Yeah, I know. Um, but before we get into that, Hallie, what are you currently reading? <laughs> LOL. Mine's st- Listen, I feel like this has become a sore subject ever since the May wrap-up. It's kind of Like, I, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> well, I've sort of hit a rut in my reading. And that stinks because we're supposed to go on vacation and I really don't want to lug this book all the way there. Um, if you get it on Libby. Yeah. Anyways, um, I'm still currently reading Crescent City by Sarah J. Moss. Um, yeah, it's... You can get it on Libby and get it on your Kindle then you don't have to take the book. That's true. I didn't bring the Kindle down here to set it up. It's okay! It's fine. We can um, set, if we have to, we'll set it up in the airport. Yeah, um, but tomorrow I don't have to work, and we're just gonna do some tiny things around the house, so I may get some reading in tomorrow, and hopefully some tonight, because I usually like to read before I go to bed. That way, um, the Benadryl I take kicks in, and that way I can just Mm -hmm. knock out. I feel like when I read before I go to bed, I sleep better. Yeah. If I look at my phone before I go to bed, I sleep like dog poop. It's, it's bad. 
See, I'm that way too. If I look at my phone before I go to bed, I will not sleep good. But if I'm watching a show and then turn it off and go to sleep, like, I sleep fine. So it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's because the screen's closer. Yeah. But. Oh, I do kind of. I have a semi catch up, I guess. Oh, yeah. So do I. And <laughs> then I'm thinking about it. I. Is yours TV show too? Yeah. See? Yeah, we think of these things on the fly. Um, I did cut. So I finished my rewatch of Nancy Drew. The new episode came on last night. I've not watched it yet. I'm watching it tonight. And I'm, I just know I'm going <sighs> to... Nancy and Ace, they're going to give me an aneurysm. I just know. Um, they already are. Um, but I did finally start... I had been waiting to start it because I was watching other things. So I finally started season five of All American because it got uploaded to Netflix. We don't have live TV at my house. We just have streaming services. So... I've been waiting for it to come to Netflix. Well, now it's there. And so I started it last night and I'm already like having a moment. Also, if you are fans of the show and you watched it, you've watched season five already. Yes, I know there's a big thing that happens. It was accidentally spoiled for me. The guy who plays Jordan posted about it on his Instagram. So I accidentally saw it and I'm already, I'm already crying. Let's just say something happens that involves a character, and when that character first showed up on the episode last night, I just immediately started crying. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen. So it makes me sad. But, um, so I finished that. So I'm going to watch Nancy Drew tonight, and then I'm going to watch some more All-American. Um, but Hallie recently started a new show. I'm so excited. So I recent. I don't... I guess it's, I've been trying to pick which show to start. I was either going to start The Witcher, because the new season comes out in July, mm-hmm. and it's the final season with Henry Cavill. I know, don't even talk about it. I'm That's so a sore subject. Um, or I was going to start the show that I started, I think, I started it yesterday. I started Bridgerton. Oh, the emotional turmoil that will ensue. Um, I have... I watched episodes one through six yesterday. Jesus. I know. I didn't realize you watched that much. Did you get to the episode that made me very uncomfortable yet? I don't think so. I think it's episode seven. <laughs> oh, well, episodes... There's something that happens in episode six. Let's there's, just say there's a very, very, very smutty episode. I think it's episode seven. Good luck. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, I started Bridgerton. I... I stayed away from the show for the longest time. I think it's because I'm not a huge fan of... I don't watch a lot of romance. I don't read a lot of romance. See, and I don't watch a lot of romance either, but that show, it's just so good. Yeah, I started it. I was like, okay. Season two is even better. I started it and I was like, yeah, I know why Carmen likes this show. <laughs> and Season two is even better. Anthony is the love of my I life. I love him. <laughs> also, Colin. Colin. I know. I just love how season three. I just love how the Bridgerton siblings all pretty much share one brain cell. Eloise cracked me up. It was funny though because there's something that happens. I think it's Colin. He comes home with with his mom, and it's Anthony opens the door with him and Benedict, and he's like, "Come here," and he goes, "Oh, good God, did someone die?" And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> that's me." I love them. It's. It's it is a very good. good show. It is very good. I watched episode one. And I was like, I'm just going to give episode one a try. If I don't like it, then that's fine. I watched it. I was like, okay, I got to go second episode. <laughs> okay. So after you finish Bridgerton and Teen Wolf, 
you need to watch All American, and you need to watch The Witcher, and you need to watch Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. All American's so good. Gosh, everyone's so good looking. Like, literally, there's not a single male in the show that's not good looking, and it's infuriating. <laughs> it's like, I can't get anything done. I'm not, I don't even know what happened in the episode last time. <laughs> oh. But yeah, um, I'm probably gonna... Well, no. I don't think I'm going to finish Bridgerton tonight. I think I'm going to try and watch some episodes of Dean Wolf and try at least at least finish 5B tonight. I want to at least try. If I can't finish it tonight, then it's definitely getting finished tomorrow. That way, we can watch season 6 while we're on vacation. <laughs> yes, please, because I've been waiting. And I still haven't gotten to watch the movie. I'm sorry. I'm about to get my own Paramount. Well, listen, it's going to get done. I promise. I probably just need to get Paramount Plus anyways, because they're adding some stuff now that I'm like, well, I've got to watch that, so I might just get Paramount. <sighs> okay. That's it. Is that all the TV show rant we have? Yeah, I think so. Um, did you say what you were currently reading? Yes, you did. Yes. Kiss City. What are you currently I, I reading? Don't think it, I don't think I ever said um, We got sidetracked. So I have started listening to Rebel Heart by Maury Young, and this is the second book in the... Dustland series, just honestly, so good. Jack's the love of my life. Um, and then I have started reading Priory of the Orange Tree. I've read the first chapter. That's it so far. Oh, what do you think about it? You I mean, it's interesting. Like, I th- You don't know what to There's think. There's not a lot happening yet. The first chapter was only like eight pages. Yeah, yeah it's not very, pretty- very small. Yeah. Um... I'm reading it on my Kindle, so I'm estimating about probably eight pages in the book. But, um, so far so good. Not a good start. I kind of just wanted to get it, like, up and running before I get to the beach. So I'm probably going to read some more tomorrow. Um. It was good. I actually really liked it. Yes, I'm very excited. So, that is my current read. By Samantha Shannon. I don't know if I said that. So, I guess let's go ahead and get into... Today's topic, because it's going to take a while. So, we kind of set up an outline to go by. Um, so, our first um, thing that we're going to talk about is what each of us looks for in a fantasy genre. So, like, the things that we really look for in a fantasy genre that's going to make it good. Like, if I'm reading a fantasy book, these are the things that I, I need this to have um, in order for me to really like it. Um, so... Do you want to, like, go every other? Well, we may have the same stuff. We'll start um, us off, Allie. Um, so, the main thing that I look for is world building. Yep. I am a sucker for world building. Um, I think when it comes to a fantasy book, you really have creative freedom. Not to do whatever you want, but with fantasy. Um, what I like about world building is, um... I want it to be interesting and where it keeps me hooked and I want to learn more, but I also want it to be somewhat easy to understand. Um, of course, I mean, you can have worlds that are complex, but if it's all tied together and it's done well, then it works. Like, I think when you get into complex world buildings, that's when you jump more into, like, your epic fantasies, which would be Prior to the Orange Tree, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. Those types of books is where you kind of get the more complex world building. Although I will say, Sarah's is pretty complex. Depending, yes. Depending. Cindy is the one that just blows everybody's mind. Yeah. And I think it's just because somebody talked about it. It is purely because I think 
if you're reading Crescent City, get the, it's probably a 95% possibility that that's not the first Sarah J. Moss book you're reading. And so you've probably already got Throne of Glass and or A Court of Thorns and Roses under your belt. And therefore, you're used to the way that she writes and that everything is completely fantasy. And Crescent City is kind of a shock to the system because you're reading a book that's written in her hand, um, but there's cell phones and there's it's very, cars and it's, you're just It's very not, much urban fantasy. Yes. So you're just not very, like, used to it, I guess. And it's, I think it really just messes with your brain because I think subconsciously you're used to full fantasy and you know it's a Sarah J. Moss book and it doesn't feel like her typical book. Yeah, and it's very good. If somebody reads Crescent City first and I'm very shocked because I'm struggling to get through because I'm like, what is happening? Crescent City is very character building. It's very much character building with um, tons of lore. Yes, lots of lore, lots of creatures. Lots um, of characters. Just lots of um, different fantasy elements going on. Yeah, and the way her, like, because there's different, like, houses where certain creatures reside in that house, and that is very complicated, I'm like. Well, and I think something that really threw me off was that Hunt has wings, but he's not a Valkyrie. Or not Valkyrie, but he's not a... Illyrian. Illyrian. Valkyrie, two different things. Um, he's not Illyrian, he's an angel. Like, it's kind of, you're just kind of like, hold up, there's two different types of people with wings? What? So I think it is, like, just a shock to the Sarah J. Moss system. Mm-hmm. But, yes, like Alice said, world building is also on what I look for in a book. And really, I just look for the world building to not be sloppily done. Um, and I like for it to be done in a timely manner. And for it to be done smoothly, an example that Hallie and I can never stop bringing up is Jennifer L. Armentrout. While I think the first book did a great job, I thought, okay, this is it. Like, I understand the world now. Well, then you read the second book and it's like, oh, nope, we're still building. Oh, there's more history. Oh, 50% or no. of this book is history and world building. And then, like, some of that history is not correct, and here's the true one, but, oh, wait, no, that's not correct, it's this. Exactly. I'm like, I can't stand that kind of world building. She like, info dumps a You lot. need to, if it's a series, you need to have me as the reader, you need to give me as the reader all the knowledge within the first book. And that's why I really don't like that series, is because you get done with the first book, and you're in the, heck, in the third book, you're still learning things. And it's like, I feel like I should know this by now. This doesn't feel like things that the should first, be added right now. The first book should get you hooked into this world and give you, I would say, about maybe 75 to 80% of what you need to know. And then throughout right. the rest of the book, you can still sprinkle tidbits of world building in those books to keep maybe make the world more fleshed out but in the first book you need to make give like the basics well and kind of a general example i would think of is like okay here's this world here's the first book okay you know 75 percent of it that's great here's book two. Oh, here's a magical race that everyone thought was dead surprise they're alive that's a good t kind of world building like that i can accept it's when 
like with those books, with From Blood and Ash series, she's still world building so heavily. Like I'm still learning about this world and that, and I feel like the information she's dumping in the second and third one aren't necessary. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to like I'm trying you to don't need your, all that history. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying I'm, to look on your bookshelves and give an example of what's an example of good world building. Harry Potter, fantastic. Harry Potter. Game, Shut of, up. Game Shut of Thrones, up. yeah, fantastic. Shadow and Bone was pretty good. Shadow and Bone, fantastic. But see, there's your other example. So you've got the Shadow and Bone series. You know, the world is built. Okay, in the first book. Well, then you go into King of Scars and you learn more things. See, I don't mind it that way. But mm-hmm. I should have a confident knowledge of the world that I'm in. Honestly, I had a confident knowledge of the world I was in with the first From Blood and Ash book. And by the third one, I was just confused. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, I really couldn't tell you what this world is. Like, I really could not. If I had to sit right here right now and tell you what that world building consists of, I could not tell you. I'll give you an example. So, for those of you who have read The Prior of the Orange Tree, this world is massive, it's complex, very intricately woven. And there's a lot of things where you are can be confused at sometimes, but it clears it up and it makes it very simple. I understood the Prior of the Orange Tree, which you look at it, it's a big book, it's huge. I understood it more than the first three books of From Blood and Ash series. I understood it way more. And Prior of the Orange Tree is epic fantasy, so it is confusing. <laughs> well, and let's put it this way. Crescent City, yes, you're confused at the moment, but I could sit here and I, I'm confident I know that world. Yeah. And I knew the world by the end of the first book. Oh, yes, yeah. it's a huge, she's building a huge thing. But I, see, I think that is also, like, something to learn about an author, too. I mean, look at Throne of Glass. I mean, you don't find out her true identity Til until book. the end of the second book. Oh, and yeah. And so then you have more world building in the third book. But I still was never like, okay, now I'm just confused. Like, I knew where I, I was right there alongside Sarah throughout those books. I knew exactly where we were. I knew exactly what was going on. That's, so I think it just, it does default to the author. Oh, yeah. And, like, what's great about um, Throne of Glass, it gives you a look inside the world. It gives you the basics. You learn about all these different things. Crown mm-hmm. of Midnight. Yeah. Well, towards the end of Throne of Glass, you start to learn more. Mm -hmm. And then Crown of Midnight, it builds on top of that, throws you for a loop at the end of the book when you find out Mm -hmm. who she is or what she is. And then Air of Fire, it just keeps going. It keeps building along. But it's not complicated. Well, and I think to go off your point, like the first two books, you're learning about this world. They're completely different. when you get to the third book, you're in the world. Oh, yeah. You're in it. So, there's... I mean, we've given some examples. There's plenty more examples out there. But world building is key. Mortal, I'd say Mortal Instruments is pretty close to yes, the world. Um, Somewhat. I, I, well, okay. So I've read all the main Shadowhunter series books. And I'm confident, like, by the end of City of Bones, I knew exactly what was going on. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, but you still, like, even with the Last Hour series, I learned stuff about the world that I didn't know about. And so, like... But it's done so in a way of like, oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Not yeah. in a, but that creates a plot hole. Because <laughs> I feel like that's what happens. Like, so not to keep harping on it, because like, let's be clear. Hallie and I loved the first two books of From Blood and Ash. We loved them. 
the second or the third book is where it all went awry. Um, I think to that point, I think she almost, it's almost like it's accidental in a way, the way that it does confuse everybody because I think she tried to create such a big world and give all this history that she has created plot holes because she's forgotten what she's told because she just told so many things. So, that's anyways. why I keep a, that's why I keep like either a word document or something or was what Victoria Agard says a book bible. <laughs> yes, I keep a book bible. Um. Anyways, moving on to the next point, let's get off of world building a little bit. Um, character arcs. Mm-hmm. These characters have got to arc so nicely. And this is an example I've brought up on this podcast before. And this is why I actually would probably rank it as my least favorite Sarah J. Moss series if I had to rank the Sarah J. Moss series. A Court of Thorns and Roses. I was fixing to say. Because while it's fantastic, do not get me wrong by saying it's my least favorite Sarah J. Moss. I know a lot of people are probably going to be upset by that because it's a lot of people's favorite. And while it's great, it is fantastic. I love this series. But Feyre falls very short, in my opinion. Her character arc is a little crappy. Homegirl had all of these powers. She had powers from all the courts. They go to war for the courts. Her friends and family are on the battlefield risking their lives and she does not use her power to help them once. Yes, there is a thing with the cauldron and yes, there is a thing with recent and she does use them then. Great. That's fantastic. Why was she not using them to keep from that, from any of that even happening? Because I feel like the battle <laughs> might have not gotten that severe if she was down there helping. Because I kept waiting for her to like, just, I, I thought, Pull okay, an we're going to get to the battle and she's just going to explode and this is going to be fantastic. It never happened. Yeah. And I think where I noticed that she didn't really change was, here's the thing. I read Throne of Glass before I read Akatar. And the final book, in the final battle, Aelin comes down and does straight up business. Yes. She doesn't let up. And she pretty much almost sacrifices her life at the end. Mm -hmm. And then you switch to Akatar. I got to A Court of Wings and Ruin. I was like, okay, may I'm looking for the next big battle. I got it, but I didn't get my Aelin moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and let me give you another example. And yes, I know. That the book's end and the show kind of took its own turn. But I really hope he keeps this in the books. Game of Thrones. George R. R. Martin. Arya Stark's character arc is my absolute all-time favorite character arc of any book series. And yes, I know that the books are not complete and the show took a thing of its own. But I really hope that George keeps what the show added of Arya's arc. Because it's fantastic. I really can't see it any other way. But even without the show bits, her character arc in the books, so well done. So lovely done. Like, it's really amazing. And there are people with theories out there that Arya Stark was actually the main character of Game of Thrones. Everyone thinks that it's Jon Snow. But there are theories that say, like, 
this has actually been Arya's story this whole time, and everybody else is the side characters. And I can see it. I really believe in that theory. But she is, like, she has made the top three with Katniss Everdeen, in my opinion, on characters, fictional characters. Her story arc is just fantastically done. I really have no complaints about it. There, I mean, there's obviously lots of characters out there that have great arcs, and there's lots that don't. Um, but that is something I really look for in a fantasy book. This main character, they've got to have a great character arc. If they fall flat in any other way, I'm just going to be disappointed. Is the only word for it. Next. Next point. Yes. Um, we've probably definitely talked about this, and this is something I look for in a fantasy genre, specifically in an enemies to lovers fantasy book. That is spice. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. That is spice. Because here's the thing. If you... I want the tension. I want it. See, and that's my thing with Spice. I don't, like, I think there are some books where I'm like, I feel like we could have left a little bit more to the imagination, but that's fine. Um, but I think if we're talking Spice, I do go along more with your point. I need the tension. I need the slow burn. Oh, yeah. I need the heated argument that's going to end in a passionate moment like Bryce and Hunt right now they're killing me I'm like <sighs> reading that book I was like oh my god just take each other's clothes off already like good lord <laughs> them and um oh gosh who else was a slow burn lots of people I know I'm just trying to Aylin think of... and Rowan my gosh oh yeah that was a... that was rough tough and tumble man <laughs> Yeah, all of Era Fire, I was pretty much like, oh my gosh, please get together. Please. The part where she's in his head and says something about not wearing underwear and he bumps his knee on the table is the funniest thing. I don't think I've ever laughed harder when while reading a book than in that Was scene. that Queen of Shadows? Yes. Oh. They're at Arabin's and she says in her, her his mind, you know, because they could do the mm-hmm. mind communicate communicado um and she says something about not wearing underwear and he like hits his knee against the table and i laughed so hard that and um what was it the golden nightgown <laughs> god's damn nightgown oh i love it he laid awake all night <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> sleep oh poor rowan um but yeah spice levels i think some books, I'm like, we could have left more to the imagination. And then there's some books where I'm like, no, I need more than that. You're going to have to give me more than that. Like, I think I can give you an example. Here's the thing. I'm not a huge fan of smut. I can tolerate it if it, I can tolerate it if it's not over excessive. I think Sarah does a great job. Oh, yeah. Sarah, I can, I think there's only, oh gosh. The only one that I can think of off, the, I think there's only like one smut scene. One or two in Throne of Glass. I think two. Because the first one is Aelin and Rowan on the beach. <laughs> and then... There might be more Aelin and Rowan moments than, that I'm forgetting about. But I know, but... Mana and Dorian, I don't mm. think there's got a graphic, though. I can't really remember. I don't remember. I need to reread. Um, now, Akatar does it a lot more yeah. than Throne of Glass. But it's done well. But it's done well. Um, it's done in a cute way. It's done in a very cute way. Especially, I know 
Feyre and Reese do it all the time, pretty much. I just love the skits of people joking about them doing it in the sky and people just trying to live their lives and Valaris, like, my gosh, <laughs> can you not today? Because <laughs> she's like, she talks about how his, like, scream rattled the mountains and stuff and you're just, you just know the people of Valaris are like, my gosh, <laughs> like bunnies. <laughs> I will say, though, I didn't finish A Court of Silver Flames, but I know for a oh fact, my, yeah. For, yeah, from what I read, Nesta and Cassian talk about a slow burn. My gosh. Oh my. They teased each other like I don't know what. What are you reading? A book. A book about what? A book. A book. <laughs> Help. Um, yeah. But with, again, we're harping back on this book um, from Blood and Ash. They did it like every other chapter or almost every um, chapter. And the first two weren't that bad. It's no. the third one where you're just like, please write about something else. <laughs> write about a plot. I'll give you another point. A Touch of Darkness by Scarlet St. Clair. The first one, great. The second one, okay. The third one, that's all I did. And I'm like, can we not just have like a sweet little moment? They never had a moment where they like held each other's hand. There was never really just like a sweet little kiss, like a sweet little snuggle sesh. No. We just had to be like bunnies the entire time. Like, can we not? So, yes, I think that's, you get our point. Um, so the last thing I look for in a fantasy book is an escape. I want it to help me get out of reality. And so a lot of people have made this a point of, really the only one I can think of right now, I'm sorry, is Jennifer L. Trout. She has another series where... In that series, it's very fantasy, but her main character talks about how she likes Outback cheese fries. And while I also love Outback cheese fries, I don't really want to see that in a fantasy book because I want to read a fantasy book to escape. I want to wish I was riding a dragon, could fight with a sword, was gallivanting on a horse through the beach, you know, like I want to, I want an escape. Yeah, and you can still you can still somewhat have that with urban fantasy. Like I think the Crow Prince had fish sticks. She was eating fish sticks in the beginning of it. Yeah, and then they went to the mall at one point, but no specific stores are mentioned. That's what I like. Yeah, I think. Oh gosh, does Shadowhunters do that? Shadowhunters, yes, but they're modern fantasy, so you kind of like the way that story is written. It makes sense. Yeah. Because she lives in New York and she had a normal life and then one day was like, oh, hey, I can see demons. Um, and so, but they never, they never mentioned specific stores that I no, can remember. they just, no, I don't think so. Like, they mentioned, like, I think they've mentioned, like, places, I think they may have mentioned places that actually exist. Like, yes. Like in the Infernal Devices, there's places that actually exist. Right. Like, and then they're, you know, they talk about Big Ben and Thames River and... Then you've got um, Dark Artifices. They talk about places in California and L.A. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it it happens, but it's not like... There's nothing really specific. And I There's think, no TikTok. There's no... Yes. And I think it's... Like I said, it's done in a way... Like, with the moral instruments, it makes sense because... I think you can still escape in the form of, like, my gosh, I wish a shadow hunter would show up right now and whisk me away to the shadow hunter life. Like... You can still appreciate. It's the same as Harry Potter. You know? We all wanted that acceptance letter at 11 years old. Oh, yeah. 
So you can still escape and have modern things. I just think you... I don't know. No specifics, because specifics take me out of it. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have any other points on that? I don't think so, no. Okay. So, the next thing we are going to talk about is examples of books that we like in the fantasy genre. I think we've probably already covered them, but just to kind of list a few. Um, the Sarah J. Moss books. Mm-hmm. Fantastic example of fantasy. Do you have another one? Um, this one I don't think I've mentioned on this episode, but that is Furyborn by Claire Legrand. Um, that was a reread for me, and... I just, oh, I love that series. You need to read it. It is so good. The world building is so cool. It's very much like Avatar The Last Airbender. You've got elemental abilities, but they're cool. And, like, you have these, like, they have, like, casters that they can use. Like, some per- somebody can use a shield. To- somebody can use yeah. a sword. It it really does But they've got, they have your regular abilities, like, water, earth, fire, air. But then they've got stuff like darkness. They've got sun. They've got sunlight, I believe. And then there's metal. Like there's different sorts of things. And yeah, I just love Furyborn. The world building is really cool. And there's there's somewhat time travel, but it works. Um, another example is The Girlfriends by Holly Black. If you know Sarah J. Moss, you probably know Holly Black. Um, great example of world building. I mean, you do have modern world mixed with fantasy world but you're spending majority of your time in the fantasy world so it it provides that escape the world building of the fae being and it's really not even fae it's fairy of being different from other books gives it a big plus in my book um so far so good on the character arc i really like where jude's going so loving that um but yeah another great example uh, another one, this one is eventually, is very much in my top ten right now, and that is Realm of Shadows and Flame. Yes. By um, Brett Talley. B.L. Talley. Yes, it's got great world building. Yes. She does a really cool thing with the Fae, where it's it's more, I would say it's more diverse, because you've got lesser Fae, quarter Fae, half mm-hmm. Fae. You've got all that stuff. It's got really good lore to where you it's concise, you can understand it. But there's also stuff that's hidden. Renata has an amazing character arc. I really like where she's going. Yes. Um, she, she's very much, like, she definitely goes through a character arc. She starts out in the beginning not, she's not bad at fighting, but she's not the greatest either. And she really, she really, she has growth, which is what we like to see. By the end, she's whipping it out, man. Oh, yeah. Um... Obviously, another good example that I've talked about already on this episode is uh, Harry Potter. You know? Mm-hmm. Great example of a world building. Obviously, my goodness, they've built a whole theme park around the world building of those books. Oh, yeah. So, and great character arcs. Uh, well, great character arcs. I, I do think we could improve upon some spells that Harry knows, but um, and instead of some... using the same three spells, it'd be nice if he, you know, and gave some... me some variety. And get some more t-shirt options please yes this poor <laughs> child but um the blue shirt that lived overall i think yeah very good example of fantasy world mm-hmm. uh, i'm trying to think of more um i would say shadow and bone is oh yeah good fa- the whole grishaverse is yeah. good like shadow mm-hmm. and bone is 
Shadow Bone's good. Six of Crows is great. Just skip Crooked Kingdom. Um, and I've not read King of Scars and Rule of Wolves yet, but good. again, they're great. Great world building. I love the crows. I love it. Yes. Um, another example I have, and this is my last example. I'm sure there's more. Well, actually, let me go ahead and give two. Okay. I do have Game of Thrones by George R.R. R. Martin. We've talked about that. Great world building, obviously. Very well known for his world building. He literally created a whole new world. Like, it's wild. Um, I, yeah. No other words are needed. Um, but the last one I do have is Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard. Ah, okay. I think she does a good job of world building. And hers, I don't really know. It's almost like a dystopian fantasy, I would say, because it almost feels very dystopian. Oh, yeah. Because it was like the way the history goes. So if y'all don't know the Red Queen series, people with silver blood have special abilities and they are considered royalty, high class. Um, people with red blood have no special abilities, or, you know, that's the story, um, and are considered very low class, very, you know, underfoot. Um, but the history of it is that sil- when silver-blooded people first started being discovered, they were treated as the lower class, um, and then eventually they just realized that, hey, we've got the powers, um, and kind of built themselves up in the ranks and eventually became the high-class, upper-class civilians. Um, so it almost feels very dystopian because I think, in a way, you could say it's dystopian. People were discovered with silver blood and they've eventually taken over. But I would also oh, yeah. classify it as fantasy because, you know, there is magical abilities still. and That's not really realistic. <laughs> um, so still fantasy. Do you have any others? Nope. Okay, Debbie. Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is tropes we look for in a fantasy series. And I'm sure we have a lot of the same tropes. Um, but Hallie, would you like to start us off? My favorite of all. One, one bed trope. <laughs> I, I feel like in every fantasy book I've read, there has, there's at least one, one bed trope. Oh yeah. Easy. It just, it allows for tension to build, and it also, in some that I've seen, it allows characters, you know, have a bonding moment, allow them to talk, be in the same room as each other, especially if they can't stand each other. Um, but yeah, One Bed Trope is a classic in fantasy. I I just love it. It's, um, another one is Enemies to Lovers Slow Burn. Mm. I, personally, if I was given the choice between Enemies to Lovers and Enemies to Lovers Slow Burn, I'm going to go Slow Burn every single time. I feel like with a Slow Burn, it allows the, uh, it allows the characters to really build a connection, build a foundation for said real, potential relationship and I feel like that makes it work a lot better. Well, and I kind of almost think of it, and I know this is not fantasy, but I almost think of it in terms of books like Beautiful Disaster by Jamie McGuire. I think a slow burn in Amy Slivers allows for the characters themselves to grow mm-hmm. in the meantime of having someone there that's supporting them 
that they want to make it seem like they're not supporting them, but they are. Um, and if you don't have that slow burn, your characters really get together, I think, too fast and then can easily become very codependent. And that's not a good thing. Yeah. Next. Um, I like the found family trope, especially in fantasy mm-hmm. books, because if you have a main character that jumps into this group that's probably known each other or don't really know each other well, it allows them all to bond. And there's always the saying, you make your families along the way. Mm -hmm. And I definitely like that in fantasy books. Um, An example I can give of this is An Air Comes to Rise by Chloe C. Pinaranda. She really does found family well. Like, Faith, the character meets all these different people along the way, and she has people that have been in her life for a long time. Um, And it just, well, going back on retracting a little bit, she has these people that have been in her life for a long time that she could consider, that she considers family, considering she doesn't have any. (laughs) Um, At least I don't think so, because I'm not very far into it. But then along the way, she meets people like Nick or Taria towards the end, and they start, the family starts to expand and allows it allows for some good heartfelt moments, which is something you need in a fantasy series, especially if it's straight up depressing sometimes. Well, and obviously some popular found families would be, you know, the inner circle of Akatar and obviously Harry Potter. Thought of Glass is a huge found family. Because <laughs> his parents are dead. Yeah, Throne of Glass especially has a very big found family, because there's tons of characters that get involved with each other. (laughs) Um, So another one I have is just the trope of the main character accessing ultimate power. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's epic. It's incredible. I love... Because, like, with reading... We'll go back to a classic, Throne of Glass. When Aelin was able to access that power, I was just like... Burn it all down, Aelin. Burn it to the ground. Like, you just want to, like, enrage with them. Like, I am in a rage! <laughs> a very Potter musical. Oh, yeah. I am yes. in a rage! Um, literally, like, I just want them to burn the world. Like, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one that I have, and you might agree with me on this one, uh, Forbidden Love. Oh, yeah. It's honest, I don't know what's worse. Enemies to lovers or forbidden love. If you add a slow burn to it, it like, it kills you. Have you not read A Forbidden Fate by Caven Hearning? Because it is enemies to lovers slow burn with forbidden love. (laughs) It's the worst. (laughs) It literally was about to kill me. I think Caven took a lesson. She listened to everybody and said, here you go. I'm just going to combine all... Several heart attacks. I'm going to combine these in a, in the pot. Good luck. I had several heart attacks, and I basically, you know, didn't stop sweating for the entirety of reading that book. Yeah, the next book comes out in... I know. A week? I'm nervous. I'm nervy nearly. Um, another one I have is, you know, the classic, who did this to you? Oh, okay. We love to see it. We love it. Rowan and Aylin had a very, very specific who did this you moment. Was fantastic where she's in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. And he sees her scars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I got these scars. I'm sorry. They that gave, that gave, different universe. That gave me, like, a stroke. I was I was reading that, and I, I don't know where I was reading I was like, <gasps> I 
just like, it's I happening. Like, I do like that trope, though. Because it yeah. fuels the flames. Oh, yeah. Do you have another one? No. I have one more. Um, showing up at the end. Like, characters, even your main character, involved in the battle. We're going down. The battle is, we're losing the battle. Surprise. My friends show up at the end. Very much endgame style. Say, yes. I love that trope. I love seeing it. Literally, throw out a glass. Here we go again. We are losing the battle. This is the end. Aelin shows up on the stag, boys. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. Even Akatar, God bless him. Tamlin showed up at the end. He pulled through. He got some. He got some points back, but not he, a whole lot. I will say though, when he said, when he said, "Be happy, fair," I was like, <laughs> "Dang it, Tammy, <laughs> Tammy!" Oh my gosh! <gasps> no, because Tammy sounds like the alternate name for a Karen. Tammy sounds like somebody that would have a can I speak to your manager haircut. <laughs> and I feel like if Tamlin was a female, he would have the can I speak to your manager haircut. Ta- Tammy! There's oh, Tammy. There's tampon and then there's Tammy. That's like with... There's um, two different sides of Tamlin. There, then there's there's kale. There's charcoal. And then there's kale salad. <laughs> there's, there's three sides of Tamlin. There's Tamlin, who you just like, meh, nope. No real strong feelings either way. Then there's Tammy, who you're like, okay, you're earning some points. You're doing good. Okay, you're going in the right direction. And then there's Tampon, who you just can't stand and wish would fall off the earth. <laughs> so. Or wish recent would just vaporize him. Would, yeah. He would just mist him. Three like, versions. Um, okay. So, why is the fantasy genre so popular? Kelly, do you have an answer for us? I would say the number, especially for me, the number one reason I love a fantasy book is that you can escape reality. Yep. It's exactly like, um, oh gosh, this is a quote from a song <laughs> that I have. It's called Fictional. And it's like, I think she says, I put myself in another world where I can be any other girl. And I was like, see, that's exactly what I do. I want to put myself in another world and just forget about the world that we live in. Um, well, and I always think of the quote from Gilmore Girls. Rory says, I live in two worlds. One is a world of books. And then she yes. continues to go on about all the different worlds she's been in because of books. If you haven't watched Gilmore Girls... Go watch that scene. It's when she is giving her graduation speech. Um, and it does, like, it's very fitting. Any book where I more completely understand what she's getting at in that moment. Yeah, I just Beautiful. feel like it's very popular because people want to escape reality. And fantasy is the best way to Especially do that. Especially nowadays, my gosh. Yeah. Now, you can do that with any other book. I wouldn't necessarily say romance to escape reality because it's still somewhat reality. You could escape a tiny bit because I think you could be like, gosh, why can't this be my life? You oh, know, yeah. Kind of escape. Um, but I really think the only ones you can really do it with is any sort of fantasy, any sort of dystopian, any sort of um, paranormal thriller, supernatural thriller, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, it's harder to do with romance and thriller. Um. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty much the only answer I have. That's, that's the only answer I have. Um, okay. Also, it's just fun to read. Yes. And another question. Why is Faye the main theme? I, every time I say Faye now, I can't unhear Ethan's voice. Hey, Faye. <laughs> I can't unhear it. Um, well, I think I may have an answer for you. Why Faye is the main theme and why it's so popular. Mm-hmm. Three words. Sarah J. Moss. <laughs> well, yes. But I kind of have some some points. But yes, Sarah J. Moss has made fantasy very popular. Obviously, Faye very popular. So we do credit it all to her. Um, but I think the lore behind the Faye is what makes it so interesting. They're compelling. They're charming. Um, They're beautiful. Depending on what you read, every time you read the Fae, it is some people make it a new type of Fae, and so then it's a new world every time you're reading it. Yeah. Um, and it's magic without wands. That is true. It is magic without wands, because I feel like if you're thinking of a fantasy novel, these days, I only ever think of two things, witches and wizards, or Fae and dragons. That is true. Other one. Um... But I do wonder, like, why has Faye become, like, the main theme? Like, I I cannot remember the last time I read a book I feel like for it's the... something... I feel like... Sorry. I feel like Faye is something because it's so popular, and then it draw And people are automatically like, oh, let's read more about Faye. And it's just become... I guess it's almost just become a trope at this point. Well, yeah, but I can't remember the last time I read a book for the first time that had... Werewolves, vampires, witches. When's the last time? I mean, Serpent and Dove was probably the closest because it was witches, but <clears throat> I cannot remember the last book I read for the first time that was werewolves and vampires. Yeah, Prior to the Orange Tree doesn't have any fae. I don't believe. They have ma- They have mages, dragons, and, like, witches. It's... Okay, so there's some more witches. So, see, that's what I'm saying. I feel like majority fantasy these days of course, is I don't know. witches. Or it's... Are witches and mages the same thing? Or are they completely different? I believe so. I think they both fall under the sorcerer category. I feel like mage is more seen as, like, uh, good, and witch is seen more as evil. I I feel feel like like that's... They both both fall under the sorcery category. That's interesting. Magic. Um, okay. And then the last thing we kind of wanted to discuss was the differences between young adult fantasy and new adult fantasy. So, obviously, a huge difference is smut. Smut, definitely. I feel like... Now, I'm not saying that YA books can't get mature real quick. Um, look at Throne of Glass and Akatar. <laughs> but even then, I... Well, no, Akatar is not young adult. Oh, it, no, it's not. It's, it's new adult. I lied. I'm sorry. Um, I just feel like new adult, or just adult in general, has a little bit more mature themes. They can get, I want to say they can get a little bit more darker. Let's just say Game of Thrones is not going to be found in the young adult section. No, 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 no. It's more dark. very dark. Very dark. More violent, I would say. And there are times when I question that Harry Potter should even be meant for kids, because there are themes in Harry Potter that, that's not for children. As a yeah. kid, you probably wouldn't get it, but, like... As an adult. There are some very dark themes in Harry Potter. Lots of death. I mean... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at the last book. My gosh. Nobody's alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> I almost put something for non-Harry Potter fans. Um, I was gonna say... 
Harry Potter himself even died. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to spoil. Um. Yeah, I think just the dark. Which my next point was like violence and trigger warnings can always violence be a trigger huge... warnings. I see a lot more, um, especially with like for the wolf book that I read by Hannah Witten. It had some religious trauma too. Like I was reading, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I think about it this way. Like this is off the top of my head. Like when I was doing trigger warnings for the last hours, majority of the trigger warnings were maybe death, maybe murder, but there was like alcoholism drug use, stuff like that. And then you read books like Realm of Shadow and Flames and you've got murder, sexual assault, abuse, alcoholism, drug abuse. But you yeah. usually get the darker the darker themes with new adult. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, um, character, I was thinking about this, I think character ages can be a huge difference. Um... Because most of the young adult books I was trying to think of, fantasy and non-fantasy, are usually people, like, they're usually either junior high or high school age. I mean, think about Percy Jackson, think about Harry Potter, think about going outside of fantasy, think about, like, um, The Summer I Turned Pretty, a lot, Twilight. Sick, they're usually, like, I think some of the main, some of the main ages I see are, like, in why are like 16, 17, yes. 18. Your main characters are going to be teenagers. And in new adult, your main characters like in for the majority 20s. are going to be in their 20s adults. Or, in their or, 20s or in their 30s. Yeah, 20s, 30s, new adults. Literally new adult, like it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but you are going to, which I think it makes a lot of sense too because, I mean, if I was writing for the young adult genre, obviously I'm going to want my character to relate back to the ages that are reading my book. So a majority of the young adult audience is young adults. So you're wanting them to relate. So it all makes sense. But it is kind of something I thought about. I was like, you know, character ages, even big difference. Yeah. Um, and I think book length and chapter length. Oh yeah. Can become a huge difference. Um, young adult books are probably no longer than 600, 700 pages. And for the majority of the new adult books that I've been reading, have been at least, like, 800. Some into the thousands. Yeah. Although, um... And chapter length gets longer. Now... Chapter length gets shorter, let me finish. Yeah. That. Sorry. Um, yeah, page numbers definitely, like... Now, I'm throwing Throne of Glass as an example. Like, the first books, they're, like, in the mm-hmm. 400s. But then, like, you get to the last book, and it's, like, in the 800, 900 pages. Page numbers are going up. Chapter page numbers are going down because oh yeah old people my age do not want to read a long chapter <laughs> no we want short chapters or at least breaks in the chapters where it does time jumps uh the inherit this is not fantasy but this is a good example of this the inheritance games trilogy those are some short chapters another non-fantasy example is after by anna todd boy there are those things short and they're fantastic i love short chapters so oh, yeah Big difference. Do you have any other differences for us? I don't think so. I think that that's pretty much covering it. There's just some themes. There's some obvious themes and some non-obvious themes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just happens. Alright. Um, that is kind of everything we wanted to really like cover in the fantasy genre. I think we did a good job of covering everything. Oh yeah. Um, if you feel as though we missed anything or if you would like to add in any of your own suggestions or comments... 
Um, or if you have any questions for us, just leave them in the comments down below. Um, but we are, before everyone logs off, we are going to play a game. Yeah, we're back to our game. So this is going to be a game of Would You Rather Fantasy, Fantasy Edition. Edition. Um, so I have six. Hallie has six. We're just going to go back and forth, I guess. Um, so each of us will ask, Would You Rather? Well, and then we give an example and the other one answers. Do you want me to answer first or ask first? You can answer first. Answer so, first. Okay, here okay. we go. So, would you rather wield a sword or wield a bow? <laughs> Let me repeat that. Would you rather wield a sword or wield a bow and arrow? Bow and arrow, because I want to be like Katniss. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> that, there's never been an easier question. I feel like I would have been. I feel, I don't know. Uh, you can, I've got that question on mine as well, so. Okay. We'll get to it. All right. My first one for you is dragon or broomstick? Dragon, no doubt. Mm -hmm. I want me a, I want to be like Daenerys. I want three dragons. Oh my, yes. See, I'm the opposite. I want Abraxas. I want the dragon that's going to roll around in the flowers. <laughs> Next. Um, okay. Would you rather... Be a fae or a witch? Witch. I want to be Hermione Granger. That's Hermione Granger. Yeah. That. I can understand why I agree with your answer. I want to be, um, what does he call her? Her, her, Hermione one. Hermione. Hermione nucleosis. Um, yeah. What was, I don't forget what the other option even was because I went so fast to witch. What was it? Witch or fae. Fae, okay, yeah. Witch, witch. 100%. I want to... I want to cast spells. Hex wanna, people. I want to do magic. Hex people. Um, be... This is a trope question. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's true. You answered two. Hmm? I thought we were going every other. We are. Okay, never mind. Huh? You answered two off of mine. And you're about to answer the second one on mine. Okay, but I didn't answer your first one. Yes, you did. Dragons are broomstick. Oh, yeah. That... Oh, my. I'm squirreling today. I'm memory loss. I'm squirreling today. I'm you sorry. Are you ready for the next one? Yes. This is more of a trope question. Oh, no. Forced proximity or who did this to you? Oh, no. Gee, I mean, those kind of go hand in hand. Depends on your, depends on your book. Um, Forced proximity or who did this to you? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a toughie. Um, I'm going to go with who did this to you. Okay. Because I feel like with forced proximity, here's the thing. I don't like people in my space. So, yeah, I'd rather live with the who did this to you moment. See, if I, I, like I would fall the, over if, if someone... I was in the forced proximity, I'd probably end up like Rowan whenever Aelin was wearing the nightgown, just not able to sleep. Like, or you'd I'm be so like, or you'd be like, uh, Rafe, Cameron, and Kiara. <gasps> <gasps> now, in that moment, I do want forced proximity because I love Rafe. I love Rafe. I would take forced proximity if that was my case because <laughs> he's beautiful. Well, I know he is beauty. He's great. Um, next, uh, yours. Would you rather have powers, insane powers, or incredible battle skill? Like, insane, like, I'm gonna destroy, like, alien style powers? 
Or what was the other choice? Incredible battle skill. Mm. Well. Oh, no. <laughs> this is hard. I want to be able to fight. I feel like you have to be able to fight if you're going to have magic, right? Like, I don't know. It depends on your situation. Technically, you could train. I mean, hmm. it's I'm either gonna, I'm gonna go magic, okay? Because if I'm gonna use it in a battle, I'm gonna have to do some sort of training. I won't have the incredible battle skills. I won't be out there assassinating people. I see your answer. Okay, you get where I'm going. Yes, I'll have enough skills to win. Enough skills to be mm-hmm. able to not die while I'm using my magic. <laughs> yes. But anyway. Um, so, think about the final scene in the book. Oh, okay. no. Would you rather it be break the curse or win the battle? Break the curse or win the battle? Yes. Ooh, okay. Is the ending to your fantasy story... Breaking a curse or winning a battle? Okay, I'm going... I'm actually going to go off one of my own books. Um, Basically, Akatar or Akawar? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with win the battle. Okay. I don't want to be no curse breaker. <laughs> oh, gosh. Answering riddles I don't know how to write. Um, <laughs> next... <laughs> Um, okay. This I think I may know your answer. Uh, would you rather be a princess or be an assassin? An assassin. <laughs> being an edge. Yes. Yeah, an edge. One hundo. I want to slink around in the dark. Although, if it's, w- although if it's one of those moments where it's a princess, but she's secretly an assassin. Hey, yeah, there we go. <gasps> Poppy. She was kind of a princess. A little bit. We don't talk um, about Bobby. <laughs> live in a castle or in a cottage in the woods? Hmm. That's interesting. Um. I'm going to go with castle because I want a big library. <laughs> I want to run in my ball gown. <laughs> Up the stairs. Next. Um. Okay. Would you rather fall in love with a prince or fall in love with your own personal guard? Uh, or just a guard in general? Prince, because he can buy me books. <laughs> I'll take Dorian over Kale any freaking day. Okay. I mean, technically. I'm not. Dorian's the prince. Kale was her personal guard. But I don't want to go off of Kale. I would have chosen the opposite. I would have chosen a guard. I don't know. The tension. <laughs> There could be tension between a prince. I know. What if you're? What if the prince is like um, arranged marriage, and it's kind of enemies, and then you fall for each other, like a fairy tale. It's beautiful. It's fantasy. <laughs> um, talk to animals or cast magic. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Well, this I one's mean, hard for you. Here's the thing. I'm an animal lover, but I also want to cast spells. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to say cast magic because if I have magic, I could potentially talk to animals. 
There you go. So it's a win-win situation. Potentially. Potentially. If you know that spell. Harry Potter could not talk to animals. But Harry Potter only knew three spells. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, next. Okay. Um, is that my last one? I, it's your last one. Okay. This one may be hard. I don't know. This is this is where morals come in. Oh no. Um, depending on. Uh, okay, it comes down to a choice. Oh god, <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> Haven't these all been choices? <laughs> <laughs> Why does it feel different? But it's not. But it feels. This like is it's a this intense. is a choice. Choice. Okay. Um, <laughs> is this gonna make me want to throw myself off Watts Bar Dam? <laughs> yeah. Um, would you rather? In terms of saving something, would you rather sacrifice your love to save the kingdom or sacrifice the kingdom to save your love? Like, let's say in order to save the kingdom, you would have to sacrifice your true love because that's, they're the reason the kingdom is in danger. Or would you rather, um, save your love because they're in danger because of the kingdom? Can I ask a follow-up question? Sure. Is the kingdom in danger from my true love because he's being kind of a dillweed? <laughs> Does he have a lot of red flags? Maybe. Is he the darkling? <laughs> no! No, I mean, like, is he, is he, is he not a good guy? Depends on, depends on what you believe. Oh, no. Well, this is the worst. <laughs> um, I knew when is I... running away with him an option. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, it's either or. This is the worst. I, why did I think when I wrote this question, you were gonna say the Darkling was somehow gonna be mentioned? I said I'm gonna tell her no. It's not well, when I wrote the question because it kind of makes it sound like the my love of interest is the villain. Hmm. Okay, okay, what if Whoa. he's, <laughs> what if, okay, maybe he's the villain, but he has no irredeemable qualities. He's Finn. Oh, no. He's Finn. Well, then I'm sacrificing my true love. <laughs> if it's... he's a villain that has no irredeemable qualities, you cannot fix him. <laughs> okay, yeah, then I'm saving the kingdom. There you go. <laughs> I guess my other question was going to be, if the kingdom is putting him in danger. What's the kingdom's problem? <laughs> I don't know. What's your problem? Um, okay, last one. Sword let's or bow and arrow. Let's write a book and find out. Yes. Sword or bow and arrow. Let's stop. Because here's the thing. I do want to wield a bow and arrow and be like Katniss and be like Allison Argent. Like, hello. Oh, yeah. Or, but I also, well, well, technically, I have wielded a sword. Granted, it was a fencing sword, but it technically counts. Um, can I choose both? Nope. One or the other. Do you want to be Susan Pevensey or <laughs> Katniss Everdeen? Oh, wait, no, she used a bow and arrow. Yes. What am I saying? Do you want to be Aelin or without her powers? Or, well, no. Let's go. Do you want to be season two of Shadow and Bone and Edge or 
<laughs> or Katniss. I think I'm going to go with bow and arrow. Wise choice. I concur. <laughs> Carmen approved. It's like, you know, like Jeffree Star approved. Carmen approved. Yes. I love Katniss Everdeen. All right. I think that's all we had for today. Yep. Um, be sure to give us five stars and leave your reviews. Helps us find other listeners. And, you know, let us know all your questions and comments down below. Um, next week we are going to be talking about, excuse me, going to be talking about the enemies to lovers books we love. So following right along with today's theme. Um, so yeah, you got tune in next week to listen to that episode and we will see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.